You're tuned in to the NWSL Rewinds, presented by Modern Soccer Coach. That's what you call USA razzle-dazzle. Now your host, Clifton Bush. And thank you for joining us on the NWSL Rewind, presented by Modern Soccer Coach. We are here for week seven of the NWSL. Uh, another slate of six matches interview this week. Jennifer Ruiz Williams, former Seattle Rain player, former Mexican national team player. Uh, great talk with her about her time in the league, playing for Coach Laura Harvey, uh, as well as the culture there in Seattle and all that uh, is happening in the Mexican leagues uh, with the Liga MX uh, Femme. So, Stay tuned for that for sure. Stay tuned for that for sure. Great, great interview. Uh, but as always, here with us, we have Sierra. Sierra, how's it going? Talk to it the people. Good. It is good. Good week of games. No midweek game coming up, so that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, a little bit of midweek relaxation for us and all of you out there uh, who we know watch all of the games right along with us. So, yeah, it's a... Hopefully the schedule evens out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's tough with those midweek games. And I think, obviously, as players, it's probably even tougher to go through Wednesday games and then have another one Saturday so or Sunday. Well, that's a good question, I think, to pose is who is that more difficult on? Is it more difficult on the players, the coaches, or us doing yeah, this podcast? Right? You know, like, I think I would. Obviously us. It's more time. Clearly it's us, yes, clearly. <laughs> We are suffering the most from the midweek games. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a, yeah, I mean, you know, if just talking about the midweek games real quick before we kind of get into the regular slate. And today we're going to kind of do a, a deeper look into the Orlando Pride, um, Tom Sermani's group down there who's got a victory against Portland uh, in Portland. But before we get over to all of that, the midweek matches, Houston versus Portland um, and Utah versus Orlando Pride. Houston with a 1-1 affair uh, in Houston and Utah with a 0-0 in Utah versus Orlando. I think Vera Powell, obviously she listens to the NWSL Rewind. She's changed things up. She's taking our advice here. She's taking our advice every day. Yeah. Every, day. <laughs> every, every week. <laughs> For those of you out there, clearly I'm joking. Bear Powell does not <laughs> listen to Sierra and I. Um, but getting points off of more traditional top table teams. And so mm-hmm. moving daily up top, getting a bit more firepower has, has really helped Vera do at, at least not have the ball so deep in her own half, which is yeah. the point that I'm making is that we've made that point. Like we made that point for like the first like four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how are you going to ever win a match when you're that deep in your own area? And yeah. so now maybe it looks like they're changing it up. Um, Utah, Orlando, a goalless slugfest, basically. Yes. But, it was, it was uh, I would say, probably a very chill game. There was not much action, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure Tom Somani having to play a game on the weekend and travel, yeah. you know, over to Portland, uh, enjoyed. It was the yeah. only game. So the Utah Royals didn't play on Saturday. They had the buy-off on Saturday. So um, maybe a little more punch, thinking that they don't have to play. But yeah. they had come off playing three days earlier um, yeah. versus the Washington Spirit. So maybe a little bit of tired legs, but 0-0 zero, zero there. So, yeah. all right, into the crux of the games. Weekend matches, that's what we live for here at the NWSL Rewind. Weekend matches, the big time. Uh, starting with <laughs> Chicago and Houston, another draw for Vera Powell and Houston. Uh, versus Chicago. What? So obviously they've changed the tactics. They've changed yes. the personnel, not the personnel per se, but where people are playing. Yes. And clearly it is working. One yes. kind of goal against the run of play for Houston. One set piece goal. Um, what? I mean, why? Why? Obviously she needed more pace up top. Yes. I'm just trying to think of what Vera Powell 
what changed from why she had daily playing yeah. left back yeah, to begin no. the season and now <laughs> and then went okay yeah let's go ahead and move this um you know to a more attacking environment well i think too you know we've talked about it like you said you know we've talked about how they were so low you know pressure wise and i think you see it in this game and you saw it on the wednesday game they've completely changed it where now their forwards are getting higher up on the field and pressing and prince has done well daily's doing well and i think that they're really just finding ways now to pick off passes to build and when they build they're not in their own half they're building and they're actually have some forwards that are in the final third and so i love the decision i think daily you know is a good soccer player overall she's athletic she's fast um and she can finish clearly and so i think it's just been a really great decision and i think prince has done really well because she's quick um she's athletic and she can put balls in behind so not only is she getting in behind but she's putting people in behind and that's how houston scored the first goal uh, in the sixth minute, she had, you know, Prince had a ball in, slipped her in behind, and off they went. And I think what they're doing is now paying off because they're picking off points against really good teams. Yeah, I, I would build might be a bit of a stretch word for me. <laughs> yeah. The, the direct right. nature of this particular team. Right. Um, but right. but I, the short combinations to get directly behind back fours i mean like it's just they've kind of instead of single balls in behind that are easily defendable very predictable now that maybe there's a a bit of a combination uh, finding a winger and drawing a defender at least into a different area than where you want daily and so now you might have a chance if maybe somebody falls asleep on the backside Um, and the things that they've done is they've played two teams that are quite attack minded Yep. that use center backs, the three for Portland and the two for Chicago yep. to begin play like in yeah. attacking play. Yeah. So now daily has an opportunity because Johnson and Naughton are involved in trying to set up the attack. They're involved right. in trying to get above the halfway line. Uh, Same goes for even um, the Thorns. You know, you're looking at Sonnet. I mean, how many times does Sonnet start with the ball and try to find the wingbacks to begin the attack? Yeah. So I think it's kind of fallen into the lap of of Houston. And that would be my question, I guess, would be, is is Houston gaining points or is Portland (laughs) and Chicago dropping points? I I mean, like, which one... Is which it one chicken or egg? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, to be honest, this game, I think Chicago drops a point. I think that um, – I think Houston did a good job of getting the two goals, but I think, in my opinion, the set piece that Houston scores is too easy. Um, and I think that Kerr – I mean, you got to look at it, too. I mean, Kerr almost had an extra time, had another goal. Yeah. I mean, that was in, what, top of the – I mean, top of the six, maybe? <laughs> I mean, yeah. so – you know, that that all of a sudden is a 3-2 game. Um, and maybe if they're more organized and maybe, you know, if Ertz or someone like that is on the field and is organizing that team on the set piece, maybe that set piece goal doesn't happen and now it's 2-1 or 3-1. Um, but I think, you know, I think on the day, I think Chicago was a better team. I think they they possessed better. I think, I think this possession was like 61% to 36% or something like that. Um, and they outshot them. And I think that they were just an overall better team. I think, you know, they finished obviously a handball in the box and it was a clear handball. Um, Kerr's goal was, I mean, I think an easy goal for Kerr, but I think it was smart on her part to stay high because I think Houston got too comfortable um, and was just trying to kind of play around in the back. Goalkeeper makes a bad decision. And now all of a sudden there's a goal. I think they capitalized on Houston's poor decisions, but I also do think that there were a couple goals that Chicago could have picked up on that they didn't. And so I think they almost dropped that point instead of Houston game. Yeah. The extra time, the extra time chance by Kerr wasn't, that's not even her first no. clear chance no. that was missed on the day. <laughs> um, and that's two weeks in a row now that Kerr's had a chance to win right. it. Right. Um, 
because the in North Carolina she had a clear chance yep. that D'Angelo saved um, yep. with the foot save in yep. extra time as well. Uh, Curves had a couple of bites at the apple here, and yep. maybe it's uh, trying to get back into NWSL form or right. get used to a new team. But I, I think you're you're spot on. It's I mean she's clearly getting into the right places. Right um, now it's just a matter of you know whether that's an NBA player who needs to go out and. You know, just hit shots just to right. hear a swish, you know, yeah. whatever it might be. It was yeah. a little surprising that Huerta actually took the penalty, given that yeah, Kerr was, was maybe needs to feel it as well. So, I mean, you know, interesting decisions by Roy Dames, um, mm-hmm. but certainly the better team on the day that mm-hmm. had every opportunity. I'm sure it's a little bit uh, disappointing in there, but you'd, you'd have to imagine – I mean, next week versus Seattle uh, for Chicago, you'd have to imagine they're uh, they're pretty ready to get back out on the field and oh, start showing sure. start showing their quality. And I mean, Absolutely. you're getting a few players who are uh, Juilliard plays 45 minutes in that game. If she plays a few more minutes, that might be Different you know, that clearly will be helpful yeah. uh, for them moving forward. And so in Houston playing utah in utah next so another (laughs) yeah i mean the utah has been in the land of ties and obviously houston has played played the two draws in the past two matches um so where do those two teams fit uh stay tuned make sure to come back next week absolutely about it (laughs) so uh, I think we've picked the highlight game for next week already. There, so. I know, right? There we go. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Seattle four-one versus Sky Blue. Uh, a two-goal game for Rapino, uh, who just welcome was, back. Yeah. <laughs> so, Didn't skip a beat at all. Yeah, back to it. Um, <laughs> Taylor, Taylor with a goal. Uh, and then Ali Long is continuing a yep. to be excited to be in Seattle. Like it just yeah. looks like she's just happy to be in Seattle playing. Yeah, um, you know, and which is which is good to see after her her time in Portland. So a great player who's yep. definitely uh, deserves a bit of a bit of love and in and success. So yep. we enjoy seeing that. But overall, I mean, a pretty dominating game for Seattle versus. Yeah, they uh, they absolutely took over. And I think one thing you have to keep in mind, I think it was Fishlock's 100th appearance, which was cool. So I think for her, like with that club, I think that's a big time accomplishment. Um, you've got her, I mean, she's consistently playing well. Rapino's coming back after a hamstring um, and doesn't even look like she skipped a beat. Um, and then obviously Allie Long is playing very well. Um, I think – for New Jersey, it's been a little bit still a struggle, and we've talked about it. You know, it's just been a struggle for them. Um, I would say a really bright spot for them is McCaskill because I think McCaskill, this is her second goal. Um, and so she's at, she's looking good, and I think that's a positive for them, but they do need to kind of figure out what's going on. To give up four goals is, is rough against any team, and so they've got to kind of figure out what, what pieces they need to figure out to put together that's going to work to give up less goals and give them more opportunities. Yeah, we've got a a, a good a good Jess Fishlock story in the uh, interview with Jen Ruiz. Um, yeah. So just uh, <laughs> stick around for for a good Fishlock story. Uh, <laughs> she was she was very very impressed with the uh, Fishlock. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think for New Jersey, McCaskill is the one kind of scoring goals. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 hard because she's having to kind of create her own yep. opportunities. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a situation where can Raquel Rodriguez maybe help? Um, right. You know, is is she maybe the the missing part to to this front line? Right. Um you, you don't really know. It's hard. I mean, because Carly Lloyd, I think, is is struggling to find yeah what here. Um and so New Jersey, if Carly Lloyd isn't being Carly Lloyd, if she's not the the 2015, you know, player that beat up on China, yeah. I think it's it's going to be hard for any team 
anything that has Carly Lloyd is going to be a Carly Lloyd run team. Yep. So I think if she, if your star player isn't performing at the top, top of what she can do, it's going to be hard for the team to get going. And so, yeah. I mean, that's in no way a tactical note, I guess, but it's just a, just a mentality, a kind of a form note is like, can they get whatever it would take to get Carly Lloyd back to where yeah. we know she can be is, it's going to help Jersey immediately win games. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I think she's, if she can turn the switch, yeah. Jersey starts winning and they're, they can pick themselves up off uh, kind of where their table position is showing them to be. Cause they're not, I mean, they, it's hard. The league is very truncated and it's very small. So somebody has got to be on the bottom, but they don't, they don't seem like a bottom team bottom makeup. Team. I mean, like this is a, it's a team of good, good team. players. Yeah. So, yeah, well, and it's hard when you, I mean, when you're giving up goals like that, no matter how good your personnel is and everything, you've got to think, I mean, mentality-wise and stuff, you've got to think that people on that team are frustrated, and and so all of that kind of leaks in, and so it's got to be, you know, what are they going to do to turn the frustration around in order to start to turn that game around? And it's got to be just step-by-step, step because like I said, you can't give up four goals and then hope that <laughs> something's going to work out. And especially against Seattle. I mean, you're not – it's going to be a really tough go to score five goals against Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> and that they've really started to solidify a back five, a back yep. six. That is uh, with Catley, McNabb, Oyster, Nielsen. Yep. And then if you put Fish, Lock, and Long in front of them, I mean, that's I – mean, yeah. I mean, you're talking about <laughs> rock a, solid. a difficult block to play exactly. through. So you're – you're never going to get that many goals out of that. No. So, yeah, I mean, New Jersey trying to figure out their defensive woes maybe a little bit. Yeah. While at the same time, how do Carly Lloyd and McCaskill get yeah, themselves together. working together to, yeah. to get a few more points on the board? Yeah, absolutely. North Carolina versus Washington Spirit. And surprise, surprise, North Carolina wins again. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to get a little... <laughs> starting to get a little repetitive. Yeah. Waiting for them, but uh, you know they clearly it's working. Whatever it is that it is, it is working. Yeah. Well, and they, I think, I mean, we've said it over and over again. They have just, they are a good team. They have an athletic team, a fast team. Um, they've got a group of finishers. I mean, I think Hinkle has been tremendous for them, um, just up and down the flank. And I think. You know, defensively, she's been really good, but offensively, I think she brings so much to the table. I mean, the goal that Ursig scores is from Hinkle, and I think she just she serves a good ball in. She gets involved in the attack. She, you know, if she loses it or they lose it in the attack, she recovers back. I mean, she's been just an awesome outside back for them, and so I think she's she's done a really good job. Um, and then with that, you also have to think. I mean, I think Dunn missed like a goal, like three minutes in, it was like a breakaway. And so that could be a two zero game, you know? And so I think they did really well. And that's not to say, I don't think Washington, I don't think Washington played poorly. I think for the most part in the first half, they were really organized and they were strong. Um, I mean, like I said, I know Dunn missed one in the first three minutes, but to hold wash, you know, hold North Carolina zero zero at half. I mean, that's a good team. I think that's a team that if they were to play today, in a championship game against anybody, they're going to have their hands full with some teams, but they've done so well that I think people would be like, okay, maybe they have a chance. Um, and I think for Washington to hold them to a zero zero in the first half is good. Um, and I think actually in the second half, three minutes in um, Sullivan almost scored a set piece goal on them so I think they had some good back and forth I thought it was a good game um, I mean I think North Carolina definitely outplayed Washington by a little bit but it wasn't so much where it wasn't the Seattle New Jersey game where that possession was so far you know one side or the other or goals were so far one side or the other I think that they really held well and did a good job yeah they're with North Carolina they're at a point now where they're rotating their starters. I mean, Williams yep. was out. Yep. Um, and so you you just push Dunn up top, pop Dominion yep. in the game. No problems. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You, you know, it's Muse and Zabroni. 
kind of taking care of the middle and everything is so narrow yeah that it's hard to get a hold of the ball but i yep. thought this game was a very good one for hatch to yes actually get in and find a bit of the ball under yeah. pressure relieve the pressure and look for pew and ordega so now you have three front runners that are yes very athletic um ordega's obviously been scoring goals for washington we yeah. all know what Mal Pugh can do right and so now you have a front through that's probably on its way to a better cohesion now yes. you can press uh, hard maybe versus North Carolina just with yeah. the crew that they have but if right. you look forward to other games down the line that front three with maybe a Mal Pugh coming underneath just a little bit yep um, is going to I think reap a, a fair bit of benefits Tough to do against this team, but yeah. I thought Ashley Hatch, who was Rookie of the Year last year, yeah, um, this was probably one of her best performances uh, that I've seen. Her ability to actually get from center back to center back, um, yeah, her ability to try to actually frame and form play, and then help them keep the ball just a little bit more and find the players who were moving past them, or even look for Sullivan underneath, and so she can do what you know a good holder does right so i think for me it was a good good performance for her um you know all the rest of the pieces are are there it's i mean we're looking at kind of dog days of the of the season now i think the the cinderella part the honeymoon portion is is over the beginning of the season is done now it's into week to week yep you can grind out little results right and obviously you know the ability to for uh north carolina to just pick up a 60 60th minute goal whenever they you know 60th or 70th minute goal whenever they kind of need it um is is helping them you know they're it's turning them into the team that they are right but you know now what are these teams going to do against other teams clearly if north carolina is going to run away with the with the league trophy. Yeah. Then what is everybody else going to do from those games? So, right. I, you know, with Washington for the lone attacker though, would be my only kind of question is that it's a little bit isolating. Yeah. Is there, is there a chance to maybe get two people up there? Is there a chance for somebody to maybe be able to press a little bit better? Yeah, to win it, attack the goal a little bit quicker. But maybe that's a question for another match. Maybe it's just a situation where right. do you really need to do that when you've got yeah, Hinkle and Matthias yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> running at you? Yeah, yeah. When Dunn and McDonald are going at your center backs and Hinkle and Matthias are going at everybody else, right. life gets a little bit difficult. So, um, but it would be interesting to see kind of how the adjustments are made in the Washington locker room in the next yeah. two to three weeks. Well, I think, and I think Washington, I mean, I said earlier on when they started playing, they didn't seem very cohesive and it kind of seemed like they were, they were kind of all over the page. And I think, you know, they're a younger team, but I think you're starting to now see them come together. Like you're starting to see, like you're saying those pieces that are starting to actually work together and I think once they get them, like, once they get all 11, like, really on the same page, because I think that's the difference right now between North Carolina and everybody else. For some reason, North Carolina, just all 11 players are clicking on all cylinders. They are connected. They are working together. They know where – I know where so-and-so is going to play, and I can play this ball. To, you know, they just know each other. And I think if Washington can get to that level of there, that's a different team. And I think I think they're getting there. It's just taking game by game by game. Yeah, I mean, probably trying to think if there's another team that needs a player that is on injury more than Washington needs Rose Lavelle. I know, right? Healthy, <laughs> you know, like I'm I'm, I'm trying to I just I don't, don't know so. that there's that there's another impactful player that's on injury. Maybe Adriana French for Portland. That's yep, um, yep. But, you know, so that might be the other one. But right now, Rose Lavelle is probably 
the big one. Yeah, the, the and if piece. you add her in there, like I think it just changes the dynamic of that whole team. Yeah, I mean, the only the only concern would be is what you're talking about is does it take another four weeks to right, gel, right, right, figure out, right, that's the know, problem, figure it out. Like, how do people then work together? I mean, right. the benefit of North Carolina is that it's the exact same team from last year, exactly, uh, with the exception of Dunn. So you've which taken, is easy to slip that into there. Well, you've replaced Hatch with Dunn, exactly. so basically you've gotten a like for like player, exactly. But you've upgraded to a, you know, World Cup winner as right. opposed to, you know, rookie of the year. Right. And, I mean, Hatch has every ability to become a great attacker. Yeah. Um, nobody would say that more than me, I would imagine. But, you know, Don is clearly yeah. know, world stage. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So the final game of the weekend, Portland Thorns. Uh in Portland, uh, playing Orlando Pride, Orlando 2-1, goals from Nairn and Morgan, uh, and Sinclair draws one back off of a powerful header. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then you spend the bulk of the next 70 minutes trying to figure out who was going to get the next goal that never came. Right. So so lots of firepower in the first 25 minutes, and then basically an absolute back and forth yep. you know war of attrition sort of a thing for the for the next 70. Well, I think this is an awesome win for Orlando because you're at Portland and everyone knows it's hard to play there because they've got 17,000 people. 17, 000, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and for Orlando, they've never beat Portland in their franchise history. So I think it's an awesome time to go in there play against, you know, play in front of 17,000 people and then pick up a win. Um, And I think, you know, both goals, um, you know, Alex Morgan's goal, I think is a good goal from her, but it's also kind of sucks for Portland because the clearance was a misclear. I mean, you could, she, you know, and I actually think, I don't know if it was feelings hurt or if it was actual hurt because I've done it before where you swing and miss and you land kind of funny. but, you know, I think that it's unfortunate, but that's, you know, that's the first goal. And if you have Alex Morgan on your backside and you miss clear something, she's putting it away. Done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, and then I think, you know, and then the goal, I think Nair scored. I mean, I think, you know, keepers off her line. I don't, I think she's out of, you know, position. Um, and I think, but I think it's an awesome goal from Nair. It's a left footed. It's, you know, 20 yards out off her chest, volley out of the air. I mean, it's a fantastic goal. Um, and then, obviously, with Sinclair, she comes in and scores. I mean, Sinclair does what Sinclair does and scores a powerful header back of the net, no problem, and no one's touching it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the fact that it didn't go out the other side is yeah, right? <laughs> probably the <laughs> <laughs> the good thing for the the ground staff at the uh, right. – providence park right i mean the your alex morgan goal i i mean I, i'll give actually we'll give a bit more credit to orlando yes for that goal more than just the clear and yep. and here's the reason why in the build-up it's so good portland doesn't touch the ball nope for what I think is like seven passes. Yeah, I think it goes back to mid, mid to back, back to like mid, mid to outside, forward, yeah. forward, across. <laughs> it is a it is a switch the point of attack masterclass. Yep. They're able to go inside yep. to then draw in the Thorns defenders, yep. find a fullback, find your winger, and now the cross, you're so that cross goes right in front right. in between the penalty spot and the six yard box. Perfect. And all three of your center backs are running at their own goal. Yeah. For, so for me, like I give Orlando a bit more credit than yeah. like whiff and you gifted one to Alex Morgan. Right. Because I think the build up, the how they played yeah. to get themselves, they put themselves in that position. Yeah. Uh, and that for me was that's what you that's what you need so how do you create patterns of system of play like that so now you know they have the ability to switch the point find wide players um 
width is a huge thing when playing Portland, obviously. Yeah. Um, playing with the wing backs. And so they were able to unlock players in behind wing backs and it created, you know, what is a bad misclear, but it created that opportunity where I mean Portland doesn't even get a foot on the ball until, yeah. you know, quite literally. Um but right. you're right. <laughs> You you want the last one, but they before that they had, they didn't even touch it, so they couldn't get pressure. They couldn't get to the ball. They couldn't right. affect or impact any of the midfield players who got on it. And that for me is a, a big big win for an Orlando team that has seemed to be a little bit maybe lackadaisical, I guess in yeah in the attacking urgency. Yeah, so well, there now you I can think see too, it. you have Orlando. That's I mean. I think this is the first game that I've really seen them build up as well as they have, like, and at the whole from start to finish, like this is the first game. Cause I mean, we've, we've said before that they're kind of inconsistent in play where sometimes they build up from the back and then sometimes it's really direct high pressure. And sometimes it's, you know, hopefully we get a set piece and Martha takes one. And I think now, like this was the first game I felt like where they were consistently from the start to finish really keeping the ball. I mean, building it from the center backs, building it from your wide backs, getting it to your midfielders, dropping it back, giving it to your outside. You know, I mean, they really did a good job of just moving the ball up and down the field. Yeah, that's, they were, they were able to have a possession that was more positive, I think, yes. than Portland. Yes. Even though Portland had more possession in the game. Um, yeah, they were able to kind of keep it in ways that gave them attacking options. I think a little bit more. I mean, they've they clearly. I mean, it was a very very lopsided match. Uh, everything kind of happening on the right side. Yep. You know, not a lot through the middle for either team. Mm-mm. And so you're you're talking about where the spaces are and how do you exploit those spaces? And I think Orlando's plan clearly worked on the day right you know that that's all debatable you could you know you could definitely argue me that point and maybe it's it's just a a missed whiff and that's the luck (laughs) of the draw but I mean it felt like you know Orlando they created their own luck on the day I think even on Nair's uh Nair's goal they built it from the back went to the midfield midfield played it and then they got it to her I mean they sent a ball diagonally across but they built it again and then got it across to her so I think they they just did a better job of playing I think on the ground a little bit better and and just kind of moving the ball around and not maybe necessarily rushing to do anything like finding the right gaps and the right seams um to get in behind yeah, I mean, it's been clear the play, getting the ball into a midfielder like Kennedy yeah, has really helped their ability just to keep the ball in the middle third yeah. and now attack with numbers actually forward as opposed yeah. to just where's Morgan, where's LaRue. Right. <laughs> well, and that's what I feel like they've been doing. Like it's just like, all right, we have Larue and we've got Morgan, and we're just gonna just go run, do your thing. And it's like when you're, and especially when you're playing Portland, you can't. I mean, that's not gonna work. Like they're an organized defensive unit, and so you're gonna have to break them by keeping the ball and moving the ball behind them. Yeah, and they, I mean they give you, you know, the three, five, two, or however you know you wanna slice it they give you space exactly or it inherently has spaces in places where you you know sometimes other coaches don't want to give that up now in this particular instance it's in front of you know two holding midfielders and that's kind of where kennedy went to work (laughs) she was able to get in front of those players knowing that she wasn't going to be pressured for an interception, somebody the only best that somebody could ask for in that moment is to get close enough just for her to hold up the ball. So right. I think from those moments, very good, you know, play by Kennedy to actually be kind of a bit of, of more of a pivot to be able to control pace, especially right. against a team that wants to go. When they start attacking, Portland is gone. Like that's right. <laughs> they want to attack and they want to attack right, right. away. 
and they want to find the ball on just on its feet. They want to look for Midge purse. They want to get around the corner. Ryan Sinclair, you know, it's looking yeah. for Heath to do her magic, whatever, but it's yeah. always go, go, go yeah. in the attack. And they were able to slow him down a little bit. Yeah. Use some of what Portland does very, very well against them. Just a little bit of a show. Ellie Carpenter, though. Wow. Like, yeah. I agree. Uh, she's that as she develops, like you, I think yeah. you can see the the potential in, in game by like, game, practice yeah. by practice, better and better. Yeah, and it's happening quickly. Like you yes. can just see in the Which is past awesome. couple of games. Yeah, like you're like her acclamation has been so so fast. Yeah. Not to belabor a Portland point when we're talking about Orlando. But <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean I just think, like I said, I think the big thing, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what Orlando does next week um, because I think it'll be interesting to see how they're going to play because I think it was beneficial. It's easy to read something that, okay, if you know they have Alex Morgan, not that it's easy to defend Alex Morgan and Sidney LaRue. I've played against both of them, and it was awful. Um, but – it's easy to start to predict things like, okay, they're going to hit it long or they're going to play it to Alex Morgan and she's just going to run or, okay, we're going to hit it to LaRue. LaRue's going to run and that's what we're going to do. And if you have a solid defensive unit, especially if you're playing, I mean, if you're going to play North Carolina and teams like that, I mean, you're really going to do that against Hinkle. I mean, you're going to do that against Matthias. Like, no, yeah, you can't, you have to give them something else that's going to be able to, pull that defense apart. And I think they kind of explored that and they found something that works against a quality opponent. Um, and I think now it'll be interesting to see what, you know, next time what they're going to bring to the table. Like, are they going to do the same thing or are they going to go more direct? And, you know, how is that going to work? You know, is Marta going to start? Like, how are they, what are they going to do? You know what I mean? It's just going to be interesting to see what they take from this game and put into the next one. Their next match for Orlando is a massive test. Uh, a week Wednesday versus <laughs> North Carolina. So we'll find out. <laughs> we are going to learn quickly um, exactly what happens. I mean, it's with Orlando versus North Carolina. I mean, do you do you start a Marta being in oh, a see, more of an attacking presence? You know, when you need central defensive cover right um, you know where does i mean obviously larue probably fits in there yeah um she's probably back into the fold obagagu yep. is somebody you got to think about as well well that's um, my thing just is matching like, pace for pace now? yeah like, i mean that's the question tom somebody's got a few questions on his hands um, I mean, which I'd match? rather be in that position where you can sit there and go, okay, I've got, you know, Bobo, <laughs> I've got LaRue, I've got Morgan, I've got Martha. Like, oh, no, who do I put on the bench? Like, yeah. <laughs> These are, and it's been interesting. Utah's played them to a tie, yep. kind of playing their game. Yep. Um, their kind of defensive style. Yep. Chicago played North Carolina to a tie, kind of playing yep. North Carolina's style. Yep. So there's a question of how, you know, those coaching decisions, I mean, in a lot of what we talk about is that stuff, you know, right. is like, how do those decisions get made and, right. and the impact of those decisions week to week. And I think it's, you, you, it's a great point to think is like, what is that going to look like? What would, I mean, what would you do? What would, if Sierra I don't know. had the team? I feel like, I, mean, I feel like you have to play North Carolina, especially if you're going to play North Carolina, I feel like you have to play them kind of like what Chicago did. You have to play their style. Like you can't, you can't sit against the North Carolina team because they're just going to be like, thank you for sitting. We're going to come at you with all of the guns we have. Like, I think you're going to have to go high press. You're going to have to put a Bogogu in. You're going to have to put in a because then those type of people can keep up with, Hinkle and Matthias and now all of a sudden they can track those players if they need to um but I think they also bring to the table a little bit because if you don't press if you don't have attacking pressure then the other team never has to worry about what's coming at you if you just sit the whole time then they just are like okay cool we get to play our game and I think if you kind of give them their game it slows them down a little bit because now all of a sudden Hinkle and Matthias are like, okay, wait, I can't go forward every time because 
LaRue's going to get in behind or Ubobobu's going to get in behind <laughs> or Morgan's going to get in behind. Like you've got to really, you've got to send questions to them so that you can kind of test what they're thinking. See, my, my question would be a midfield question. Yeah. Like, like you got to figure out how to deal with Zabroni and Mewis. Yeah, it's going to be hard. So if you're, if you're playing Marta and you have Zerboni and Mewis yep. in the center of the park. Yep. She's gonna need help. Yep. And it's is a Kennedy Marta midfield. Right. Is that enough to get you or you know, to get you the defensive pressure you need? Right. Because there's not a lot of tacklers in that, you know, like there's it's, no. that's, it's not people who are gonna tackle on the ball necessarily. No. So no. Well, and that's where the does that come from? Marta and like Marta is probably one of the best players in the world, but at the same breath, it's like, you know, and my my Brazilian friend would kill me for saying this, but um, <laughs> they're so she's so technical and she's so good and on that aspect of it. But I mean, it's I mean, I don't feel like it's not that big of a deal. I mean, I feel like people know, but like Brazilians have a tendency not to be the best tackling, crunch tackling defenders in the world. Yeah. So now you kind of lose that piece of like, who's, you know what I mean? You have the attacking piece. You've got that pressure. You've got that ability on the ball, but you don't always have the ball. Somebody's so. got to be in Zerboni's pocket. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like that's, I mean, like at the end of the day, somebody's got to be in Zerboni's pocket. Yeah. And you still have to not let Mewis loose into exactly. spaces. So, I mean, those are, that would be the focus for me. I mean, yeah. you know, because and I think that's where the game is won or lost. Yep. Because it's more to the point of both sides of the ball. So yep. obviously you have a Morgan and a LaRue. Uh, you have a Hill. You have a Bagagu. You have players who can get in behind and you right. know kind of create a little bit or make a, a special moment happen. But how often do teams get those opportunities versus exactly. North Carolina? Not very much. The place to try to get results off of North Carolina, at least in my yep. opinion, is dealing with Muse and yep. Zerboni. And Zerboni. And if you can do that, then I think you give yourself a, another chance at yeah. <laughs> at play. Now, right. Monica and Zadorsky have been very good. Yeah. Um, and so at least then you have some consistency there. Behind them. Yeah. yeah. So maybe right. if they do get free. You've got two players who've who've right. proven two defenders who've proven to be a very solid pairing uh, yeah. in the back. So, but that's the space for me that I would look at. But yeah. that's uh those okay. are the questions uh, that we'll we'll have answered not next week, two weeks time, but two weeks time, two weeks time. So, <laughs> we'll, uh, but yeah, I, it's good week of games from a yeah. from a coaching tactical like taking a yeah. look at what it's like perspective i guess it would be yeah. interesting to be a fly in the in the locker room of some of these places you know but it's yeah it's good you know we've gotten to hear from some of these coaches and and we'll hear from more as the as the rest of the season goes on just to get their thoughts on exactly how they make some of these decisions and and uh what impact and how they communicate them and move forward so good uh good week there sierra yeah, it's good. I'm I'm looking forward to the next batch of games. They get more. I feel like they get better and better every week. So, which is good. It is good. I, I mean, I'm I, I I can be a a realistic kind of a person. I don't want to say pessimistic. I can be a little bit of a realist. So <laughs> I'm like I'm waiting for like the bottom to drop out when like right. the games right. aren't right. good. You know, right. you're like, right. when is the when's the six week stretch of like, oh. This is, you know, yikes! That was rough. <laughs> so far, so far, we've we haven't had very many games like that, let alone right. whole weekends. So, knock on wood. I know, knock on wood. Let's not have another week yeah. like that. <laughs> Positive play going in the NWSL. So, with that, thank you for for tuning in to the NWSL Rewind. Like I said, stay tuned for Jennifer Ruiz Williams, uh, former Seattle Rain player. Got a bit of a fishlock story. Some uh, more Harvey stuff for you to tease that way. So definitely stay tuned for that. Boom.
Welcome all. Thank you for staying with us. Stay tuned for a great interview we have today. We have Jennifer Ruiz Williams, uh, former player with the Seattle Reign, former Mexico women's national team player, uh, tons of experience in and around women's soccer uh, over the last 10, 15 years. And so we are so, so happy that she is here with us uh, right now. She's coming to us from her coaching position at Cal State University Northridge. And we just love that she's uh, having a conversation with us here today. Jen, how are we doing today? Good. Thank you so much. We appreciate you you coming on and having a word with us. Uh, you've you spent a year with the rain um, after your college career and in the midst of a Mexican national team career. Talk to us about how that was first year of the league or is it first year of the league? Yeah, no. it was yeah, first year of the league. Yeah. So talk to us about what what that was like, what the feeling of of being a part of the inaugural season uh, of the NWSL was for you. Um, I think for me, it was really exciting because I'm kind of at a weird age where I came in between all those different other leagues um, yeah. and kind of thought I'd never get an opportunity to play in in a league. And so when this came along and they were doing like the allocation with the national team players, um, and I was able to be a part of that. It was just like a dream come true. So it was perfect. And then being able to go to Seattle, which um, is just a phenomenal organization. Um, and then coaching under or playing under Laura Harvey, who has such a great reputation right now. And actually that was the first like female coach I'd ever played for um and i was sitting there like my early 30s you know uh not much younger than her you know younger than her um so all of that put together was a, just a great experience and just playing with the the different i mean playing with other international players not just u.s players but um just great phenomenal the energy there everything was great yeah that's i mean we talk almost weekly about uh well now Laura Harvey at the Utah Royals and, you know, her previous stint in Seattle. Uh, we talk all about, uh, you know, the international kind of flair that she tends to bring to her teams. Uh, and in that particular year, there was a, a number of players from all over the world. Uh, I can imagine that that was an interesting, like, vibe to kind of get the Canadian allocated players, the U.S. allocated players at the time, the Mexican allocated players. Plus, she was bringing in people from Scotland and all, all over the world. How how did you guys get a team that could be successful um, with everybody playing so differently? Yeah, I think that is, um, I think that's one thing that is a strength for Laura is she knows how to take different pieces and put them together. She's so good at developing, I think, a team culture and she creates, she just, I mean, everyone calls her like a player's coach because she, she players want to play for her because she, she makes them feel good and they play good, I think, for her. Um, so that's fun. I mean, here, what I did, I, what, so Jess Fishlock, let me just tell you about her. She <laughs> is, like, for anything else, just being able to play with Jess Fishlock was, like, amazing. This girl is the real deal and legit. And we, so I found out I was going to play with her when we were in, um, Portugal for we were playing a tournament and we were going to play against Wales when I was with Mexico and by that time we were like looking at each other in the lobby and we didn't really meet but we knew we were going to play in Seattle together and so we played against um her team Wales and she was light like sliding taking everyone out she like took that team on her back and I and that's how she plays all the time even in practice like just she's a beast so give us who, a, who won the game, the, the Welsh game, Wales versus Mexico. Do you remember who won the game? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it should have it gone down how it went down. But the, <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the impact that girl has. Okay. Is she is all remarkable. Of, all of you out there, that's a homework for the week. Check out the uh, Mexico-Wales game. <laughs> Just so uh, we're going to get a look at that game and, and see uh, what Jess Fislock was really about back then. Yeah. It, the So talk, you you said the culture, the team culture. Just sure. give us kind of 
what was if we had to look behind the curtain what was it about the culture specifically that was it was it intentional was it like written down did you guys like have meetings about it or was it just a feel about you know interacting with the other women in the locker room on the team uh the technical staff uh, was it formalized informal talk to us about like kind of how the culture came to be what it was um so i think when i was in the league uh it's different there's like a professionalism there that is remarkable because everyone there does everything right 100 percent of the time everyone is fast everyone is strong everyone is technical so the level the bar everything is set very high um but then beyond that i think what laura does really well is to relieve a bit of the pressure of everything is done to high quality, but it's also done in a joyous manner where you feel a little bit more free freedom. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's something that she brought. Um, and then, like you mentioned with the various personalities, I mean, when I was there, we had Hope Solo, we had Kaylin Kyle, um, Keelan Winters. I mean, just like some amazing, funny uh, personalities that, that every, everything was just lighthearted in that way, but still done to the T. And, and, and Laura like starts every practice with this donkey game she does. I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> no, <laughs> a donkey game. Tell tell us. Get yeah. it. Give us um, some here. You know, I can't even tell you like the specifics of it, but I know she does it because I I've even that she's still doing it because I see like video of like Utah Royals and they're playing the donkey game. And it's where someone's the donkey in the middle. They have to wear like this ridiculous shirt for like the week if they become the donkey. Or maybe it's like they get nutmegged or something wrong has just happened to them um, in like a simple rondo. So she does stuff like that 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 are great. And, you know, during that time, too, we had Sam, um, the assistant coach there in Seattle. I don't know if you've heard of Sam. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, just he is a great coach for female players i think as well yeah just a po- real positive experience there i have nothing bad to say i really enjoyed my time there so talk to us about how so you're you're this allocated player for um the mexican national team and you're going back and forth and you're trying to compete and and at that time it was this is like pre-qualification but you're still coming up on like some pretty important national team duties. How how did you balance the this new league, the the allocation with being a part of the Mexican national team at that time? Um that wasn't really the the hardest part was having a family cuz I at the time I have two children. So I was in the league with you know, being a mother as well. So that was the hardest thing because the travel in the league is difficult and financially, um, although it helped to be allocated through my federation, you know, I mean, think of how difficult it is for a single woman to play professionally, financially, and then look at a mother of two, you know, that that was difficult. But thankfully I had some good, just good help with, things that that made it that took the burden off a little bit but I mean it it, that's why my time was so short it's not really realistic profession for you know when you have two and you play you know for a national team that's just not there yet to support their their players to do that it's and the the league the league minimums and everything is kind of it's getting even more professional more you know, it's it's not there yet, certainly, but that first year I can imagine was was particularly difficult with the, whether that's the salaries or the salary caps or the the just where you were staying in hotels or the different types of flights you were taking. All of that stuff that first year must have been a bit of a, a struggle. I mean, can do you see and talk to people now and see that what the difference is six years you look at what like Utah is doing and six years on like so playing for Laura Harvey today would probably be a little bit different organizationally financially than playing for Laura Harvey back in 2013 or whatever it was 
Yeah. I think I'm going to be that old lady one day that says, in my day, you know, we didn't have what you have. <laughs> I've already gotten to experience that with the national team because I started playing for Mexico when I was 19. My last game was in 2015 at like uh, 30 something. Let's not go there. But um, so, so many years. And I like tell the girls there, like, you have no idea how good you have it. I mean, it's no, it's not where it needs to be. So don't get me wrong there, but it's nowhere near like when I was 19, where we had like to turn our jerseys in like after each game, we have only one and um, yeah, like wringing our socks out. We didn't have change of socks, like just crazy stuff with, with the beginnings of the Mexican national team that I had. So yeah, definitely when the NWSL, I'm going to be an old lady saying in my day, we did this and we did that and you have it so good. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I'm just so grateful for the opportunities. And I, and I hope it's good for girls to come. Uh, as a coach right now, I want these girls to have the best and have a, a great experience. So I'm I'm so grateful for the changes that are coming. It's awesome. Yeah, it's been, I mean, you, you only have to look at Mexico and the domestic league that's going on there, 25, 30, 35, 40,000 people attending matches, you know, games, teams with all of the Liga MX, uh, yes. you know, under all the Liga MX umbrellas, uh, Tigres, uh, all of these programs are just getting massive, massive support right now. Oh, my goodness. How amazing is that? But it, it's like blows me away. And you're going to take this generation of like Mexican players who haven't even played like that. When I played for Mexico, and we'd go into a big stadium like we never played in big stadiums. Like you go in to like play the U.S. and you're playing against in front of thousands of people. And it's just that's a new experience. But now these girls are I mean, that's going to be old hat for them. They're yeah. playing in front of 30,000. Am- and they're stars. Week. Yeah, there are stars right now in Mexico and, and they're building confidence and I love it. It's so amazing. And they're very young too. Because it's all most of it is kind of a U23 setup if I if I'm it's they're pretty young players and they're getting that level of experience, that level of the just the professional nature of it means that you have to train more. Maybe you take care of your body a little bit better. Maybe you get a little bit more rest. Maybe you, you know, you take care of your recovery a bit more seriously. Those things are, are bound to uh, scarily being being American, having grown up. You know, want to see our national team be successful, but uh, <laughs> it's a little bit scary to think that there's, you know, the men's Mexican national team has you know, quite frankly, obviously overtaken the American national team in a very real way. You know, the women are probably coming pretty quickly with the advent of it's like a Portland Thorns like atmosphere every week for every team. And that as a league is going to be amazing. Yeah, the. I think something has just been unleashed with the female soccer in that country, and it's it's going to be like you said, like uh, a rushing wave on the soccer, the female soccer community, like Mexico is about, I mean, stars are going to be like sustainable now where they'll have, you know, somewhere to be. It's not like we're, you know, during my time where I'm training for the World Cup while working a full-time job, you know, they they can train within the league there in Mexico. Um the support from like the teams that they're partnered with. I think that's like where we have like the Chivas men, we have a Chivas women and they're using similar facilities and and they're just the support from the men, Uh, you know, fans go to a Chivas game and they have all the Chivas gear. Like you're born into a Chivas fan, like fan club. If you are born into that family, then you're going to support the women and they just have, it's just remarkable. Yeah. I'm, Saying it here now, we've got to figure out when we're going to get the uh, women's CONCACAF Cup going. When are we going to, you know, we've yeah the, uh, the CONCACAF Cup happening on the on the women's side and see who's who's really got the the uh, the better the better setups here and who's who can dominate the CONCACAF Cups year to year. But yeah, you, so when you see that when you see that floated, Jen, you know that it came here first. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I mean, it's it's great. Like, so now you've transitioned 
you this crazy career you went from 19 to 30 some odd you know uh-huh. um and now you're you've moved into into coaching talk to us about like so how was your transition to player to now coaching division one you know at least in this country uh, one of the highest kind of amateur levels uh, around how has that been for you as a moving into the coaching arena um i have really well this year i just stepped into college coaching but i was always doing um like the club round coaching club and then training and playing at the same time but once my career kind of winded down and i felt like i was missing you know some sort of a bit where i I couldn't fulfill like my competitiveness where you know in the youth level you're the purpose is to develop players it's not result oriented but i wanted i still had that oh i want to you know that fire to win and I, and I obviously that would be disservicing that level, but you know what? I, 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 the college level, I get to, I get to fill that. Um, I mean, there's so much development still happening with these girls at this age, but you know, it's definitely, as you know, results-based, you know, each. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I get to kind of be a part of that with a great coaching staff here at CSUN and, and we get to like, tactically solve problems and we've only gone through our spring season it was so fun just in the games um you know shifting things or moving things around how to get a result i love that i love that puzzle and that chess match of it it's really fun yeah and you're i mean so you're down in northridge you're you're uh you're like me socal native correct is it am i correct in saying that socal yeah. kid you gotta love it southern california stand up uh so i always gotta give a little little shout that way but so now you're you're kind of back where you grew up and you're coaching this competitive nature with the college you're coaching because you're still coaching youth if 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 i'm not mistaken yes so still kind Mm -hmm. of developing the next the next round of players coming through from you know young to all the way to 23 and so now i mean where do you see this going into the like, where do you see your growth happening? So you're you're helping to grow all these players. Where is your own personal growth that you look ahead right now? Um, what's really amazing about Southern California, and you know, there is just like a hotbed of coaches. From uh, at one club, you'll find someone from South America, from you know Europe. You you just have like a handful of different coaching styles. So I'm so excited to be around. The club I'm at right now has the academy on the boys and the girls side. So I'm instantly like in a learning environment where I get to, and I love to steal, you know, drills and still halftime talks. Um, it, Cause it's good coaching and I want to be a better coach. So I'm always in the corner trying to learn from different people. So I'm, I'm right now I'm just learning and growing. And, and my hope is to, to be a head coach, um, you know, when I'm ready and the opportunity comes, um, I'd love to coach, um, you know, in the NWSL or, or internationally with Mexico. That would be like a dream. I would love that. One, one of these uh, pro pro teams on down in Mexico. That would uh, in a few years, I'm sure we'll see we'll see Jen down there. So who's who's your Mexican club then? I- you're, I can't have say, a... I will upset so many people. Like, if I say one thing on Twitter about a club, like, it, I, people get mad at me. <laughs> so, okay, I, we'll have to, we'll, we'll wait. Maybe you'll give it to me a little bit later. So that yeah, way, we, I, have a we... team. I have a team that they're in my heart. Of course you have a team. You have to have a team. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have a team. So, but... We're we're sure we'll see who that team is here. I'm sure in the next five five ten years or so, when uh, Coach Ruiz pops up in Mexico, uh, leading the charge in front of thirty forty thousand oh. screaming fans every week. But I appreciate you so much for coming on and having a chat with us and just kind of showing uh, a bit of light into the women's soccer world. Uh, loved loved meeting you at the convention and was yes. so happy to to connect with you here as well. Yeah, it was so awesome meeting you. And 
I love your heart and your passion for growing the women's game. It's it's amazing. And how knowledgeable. You are so knowledgeable. So thank you for everything you're doing. It's wonderful. No, it's a it's a this is a great outlet for for just, you know, what it is that I love to do every week. So uh it's been a it's been a fun time and I will say the best coaches are coming out of Southern California. I'll make sure to mention that to Sierra later on. She might have something else to say about it. But uh, <laughs> Sierra, Sierra comes from Colorado, so she's always uh, she's always representing Colorado really well. But Southern California it. is the best. So thank you, Jenny. We appreciate it so much. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. This has been the NWSL Rewind. Have an opinion on the games? Let us hear it on Twitter using hashtag NWSL Rewind. And check us out at ModernSoccerCoach.com.